Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have a really cool guest. I saw a a video of him on YouTube. He was demonstrating this coffee roaster and he had like such tremendous passion around coffee. Uh, It it definitely made him, uh, I think, a great person to find. So I've got him. It's uh, Asher Yaron. Uh, We've been talking about uh, coffee and all the cool things he's discovered about it. So, Asher, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. If you don't mind, uh, tell me, how did you first, you know, besides, I'm sure, drinking it for a long time, how did you suddenly say, hmm, there's more to coffee than I thought, and I'm, I really want to work on this and spend my uh, time working on it? My revelation, my aha yeah. moment. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, growing up... Uh, so all this is actually covered in my book. I wrote a book. It's called Coffee, the Fourth Wave, a Fresh Roasting Revolution. Huh. And in my book, I describe my process uh, with coffee and how I've used it throughout my life, which has changed drastically. Uh, growing up in the 70s, <clears throat> the coffee that I uh, was exposed to was instant coffee and yeah. occasionally some fresh brewed coffee like Maxwell House, but all the coffee was in cans. It was roasted, who knows when, it was all ground. And that's really what was available in in my world at the time. And growing up, I didn't drink coffee because it made me feel like I was nervous and had the jitters and was too on edge. And what I realized later on was the kind of coffee that I was drinking, which is the kind of coffee that's used mostly in instant coffee and in canned coffee is Robusta. And the Robusta variety of coffee has twice the caffeine as the pre- premium coffee, which is called Arabica. Okay. So I was drinking Robusta, like a lot of people uh, today who drink Robusta come to me, say, hey, I can't drink coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm caffeine sensitive. And I tell them, you know what? You might not be. Try Arabica because Arabica has half the caffeine that uh, Robusta has. And, and, and caffeine is only one chemical substance that is in coffee out of over a thousand that are created during roasting. But it's the only oh, one. Wow that gets talked about. It's all about caffeine. And what I discovered was that (laughs) there's a lot more to coffee than just the caffeine. So growing up, I didn't drink it. I didn't drink it much. Then college comes. And this is interesting because a lot of people in college, they start drinking coffee for the first time because they're staying up late. They're partying. Yeah. And and they're wanting to uh, supplement these late nights and this lack of sleep with coffee and caffeine, which uh, certainly helps. So people actually start drinking coffee in their, in their uh, time in uh, college and university. But dur- during that time still, it was the 
uh, early 80s, and there wasn't that much uh, premium coffee around. Uh, Starbucks in the early 90s came along, and that is considered the second wave of coffee. And, and these waves were really developed as coffee became a commodity that was packaged and shipped overseas long distances uh, until Starbucks came along and made the espresso Italian kind of experience popular. And that was a, a big turning point in the understanding about coffee, the experimentation, and how more people were getting into some of the nuanced um, flavors, uh, some of the ways of uh, prepping the coffee, roasting, grinding, and brewing the coffee. So in the early yeah, yeah. 90s, I was kind of caught up in that and just went to coffee shops. And yeah, I remember uh, like in the, it was probably the you know, earlier mid 90s, I was in the Detroit airport and my mom and she went to a Starbucks there and I said, what is Starbucks? And she was telling me about it. And then uh, from there, it exploded. So I remember a while back. Right. They were really the first to introduce the uh, the idea of espresso, lattes, cappuccinos, that kind of thing. Uh, but still, uh, their coffee was not, it was fresher roasted and they used whole bean and then they would grind right away, which is uh, one of the things that once you grind the coffee, it starts oxidizes instantly. So you never want to already use coffee that's already been ground. You only want to use uh, whole bean and, and grind yourself. So that was another introduction of a freshness. So this kind of freshness wave started with Starbucks and then continued the third wave. And the third wave of coffee was the smaller shops, the micro roasting, right? So people were getting more in tune with the, the power of having the freshly roasted coffee, how much better it tasted and how much uh, more effective it was in awakening the mind and helping uh, um, uh, us focus uh, and concentrate. And then people started waking up to how the coffee was grown and working with small farmers and this kind of thing. So it's really been an evolution of coffee discovery, I think, since the early 90s, starting with Starbucks and continuing with the third wave. And now I'm calling this the fourth wave because in my experience, it's all about the fresh roasting. And the way I came to that understanding was that in the early 2000s, I had moved to Oregon and was living uh, on 20 acres in the woods in Oregon, beautiful, beautiful land, beautiful house. Um, but I had to start learning how to make my own coffee because there was no Starbucks or there was no other coffee shop that was close. And I realized I had to start educating myself. And at that time, I thought that the only thing that made good coffee was a barista who had very expensive espresso equipment. Me, and that equipment had to do with grinding and brewing the coffee. Right. And I, I thought that that was everything. You just had to be an expert barista and, and understand and learn uh, how to use coffee in that way. And at the time, I was buying coffee from... Costco from these these big um, stores and buying them in large quantities, five pound bags, you know, and then storing it and then keeping keeping it in the freezer or keeping it in the cupboard and not really paying attention to freshness. Because what happens with coffee once it's roasted, all these oils, every a lot of things are produced that go rancid very quickly. Immediately they start going rancid. But when you're using old coffee, you have, you have no realization 
uh, about that. So I had been experimenting with and perfecting my barista technique, but I was kind of running into a wall. My coffee wasn't getting any better. And when I'd share it with people, they weren't very impressed. I wondered how come, you know, it, my, my progress had stopped. And then one day I was renting out a commercial property that I owned to some tenants and they knew that I was uh, like coffee. I was passionate about coffee and what they brought to the contract signing was this little clear plastic baggie with roasted coffee. And they said they had roasted it at home the day before in their hot air popcorn popper. And oh, that's cool. That's funny. I didn't really understand what they were talking about, but I said, okay, you know, I, th- I thanked them and I didn't really think about it after that. Went home, put it in the cabinet and forgot about it. And then the next morning I went to make coffee and I was out of my regular Starbucks, my bag, it was empty. I didn't have any. Oh, and then I remembered I had this bag from the evening before and I made coffee with that in my usual way. And when I took a sip of that coffee, I was stunned. I could not believe it. It was like what I was looking for. It was something that I had never experienced before and was way beyond anything I could have uh, thought was possible. And did you, I, I did you have a, a, a coffee gasm or what happened? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was an epiphany. It was, oh my goodness, this is what I've been searching for. I had to sit down and like, I take it all in because my mind was going a mile a minute. And I realized that it was the coffee that I was using. And it was the fresh roasted aspect that made that coffee so good. And I started looking into it, doing some more research. How do I roast my own coffee? And at the time, it's a very small cottage industry. There are people who do do do-it-yourself machines. They figure out different ways to do it. The simplest method is to use a pan over a fire like they do in in the indigenous cultures that grow coffee. That's how they roast their coffee. They just keep that coffee moving in the pan. And it's incredibly tiring. It takes a long time. It's hard work. It's not easy to do. But it's effective, and it gives you the best uh, coffee that way. Wait, so, so you I, could you could take you have to grind them like like let's say I wanted to make um, you know roast coffee in a frying pan. I could do it on my stove. Absolutely, absolutely. But here's the thing: it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of practice to roast that coffee and get it even. The first few batches are going to be badly roasted. It's it's going to be uneven. There's going to be this thing called chaff, which is the coffee skins, and they're going to go all over your kitchen and make a huge mess. There's going to be a ton of smoke. It's, it's, a, it's a big production. There's, there's elements of that that you have to control in order to make it clean and easy and simple. Okay. So you can do it, but it's difficult. However, even if it's uneven, it's still going to be the best coffee you've ever had because it's fresh roasted when you're using right away and well, quick, quick question you know yeah. i want you to continue your story but if you fast forward to today for just a moment you know you've had you know many many cups of coffee made really well what how do you express the difference when you've had a really good cup made right and how have you heard other people express the difference versus you know the standard crap they were drinking so it's the the there are three things and they have to do with your senses the first is the aroma the smell when you have fresh roasted coffee and you grind it and you smell it, 
you've never smelled anything like it before. It is unbelievable because there's no bitterness in the smell. It's nutty. You have all these, these different aromas and flavors. It is potent. If you take an old coffee and then grind it, you smell the bitterness. You don't smell all these other aspects. So that's the, that's the first indication. Um, then the second indication is the taste. So when you brew it and then you take a sip, the taste is very full on. I mean, there's so many different flavors going on that your taste buds aren't able to distinguish between one or the other. You just feel this explosion of freshness. And I mean, it, 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 it just tastes like something different you've never had because most older coffee is flat and then bitter at the end. And this is what we've been trained to believe is strong coffee. The more bitter, the stronger it is. And it's actually the opposite because what happens is over time, the coffee deteriorates and all these other flavors that round out and give you all these sweet, the sweet, the sour, the bitterness, all these things, they leave the coffee bean quickly. After a week, everything's gone. And that coffee will just taste flat and then bitter at the end. And so if it doesn't taste bitter, that means that coffee is actually more potent. It's fresher. It's more potent. You're getting more tastes, flavors. You're getting more chemicals, substances. Okay. And that's the third, third level of trying the coffee. You feel great. And it's not a jittery kind of buzz. It's a buzz that helps you to focus and it helps, I'm convinced that it helps the synapses in your brain work more efficiently. So you can, you can focus and concentrate so much easier when you've had a really good cup of coffee. And that's not about caffeine. It's about other elements in there. So that's the big, big difference. And that's why it's so important because once people try that and have that experience, they'll never go back to drinking coffee the way they used to. They totally get how important it is. Um, to have it uh, fresh roasted and have all these other dimensions that they've never experienced before. That's Made why home roasters them. are some of the most passionate people. Hmm. Okay. In your direct experience, yeah. what have you heard other people say about coffee? Like, is there any one particular evaluation of it that you thought was a really cool way to put it? No. Uh, and <laughs> I think that I'm one of the only ones talking about this kind of thing because people have been trained in a certain way to understand coffee. And they've been convinced that the more bitter, the stronger, that's one of the things. The other is that coffee must rest. So there's this thing, professionals talk about how coffee must rest after roasting. That means you must keep it aside and not use it. And what happens when you do that is the coffee bean is porous and all these gases are created during the roasting process. And they leave the coffee bean immediately after roasting. It takes about seven days for all those gases to completely leave the coffee bean. But 40% of those elements are gone after just 24 hours. And so this is, and, oh, this is why coffee has one-way valves. 
The bags, the, the vacuum pack valves are one-way valves. That's allow the gases created during roasting to escape. And that's the okay. exact thing that I want to take in are those gases because those are the chemical substances that make me feel so good that affect me in a positive way. Well, why do, why do people say that you should let coffee rest then? Because the big companies want people to think that the coffee on the store shelf is as fresh as the day it was roasted when you opened that bag. Oh, uh, okay. I see what you mean. And, it's and all it, about marketing. It feels, it, it feels like that because if the gases are trapped in the bag, when you open it, it will seem like it's fresh roasted, but it's really not. Well, so uh, so what happens is those gases escape. If they didn't, If they didn't have that one-way valve, that bag would blow up. That bag would blow up like a balloon. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> you know, you don't think of it that way, but that that's uh, that's actually, that's exactly what happens. So uh, what happens trapped in that bag when you open it? So let's say it was roasted six months earlier. And, and most of the big companies, they put a best before date of two years after roasting. Two years. No, wait, right? wait a minute. Two years. So yes. the, average, the average coffee I'm drinking at a store you know, Starbucks or whatever store, like how long has it been since that's been roasted? Well, you have to check. You have to check the packaging. What coffee are they using? That's the first thing I ask. When was this coffee roasted? Because a lot of that coffee uh, is is old, can be quite old, but the vacuum pack bag, what the, the good thing about it is it prevents oxidation. So oxidation is when oxygen comes in to the porous coffee bean and starts deteriorating it further. And that process doesn't start in a vacuum sealed bag until that bag is opened. Now the oxidation starts immediately. However, if you have fresh roasted coffee and you have those gases that are coming out for seven days, you don't have to put that in a vacuum sealed bag because those gases are leaving. Oxidation can't happen until that process is complete, which I said takes about seven days. So, okay, so... If I'm getting coffee from a you know a major coffee chain, what do you think happens? Like when do they? How long is it sitting at each stage of its existence? What, what would be your guess? Right. So it used to be when I was starting out 15 years ago, the SCAA, the Specialty Coffee Association of America, was recommending that for barista competitions, that coffee must rest between two to four weeks. That was their recommendation. Now, who supports the SCAA? The big coffee companies, obviously. They're the ones that are funding them, right? So they're trying to say um, that the coffee must rest. You know, you you don't have to worry about it because it's in vacuum sealed bags. So even if it was roasted six months before, those gases have escaped. Oxidation hasn't happened. That coffee's still fresh. That's what they're trying to sell a consumer, and they've done a good job in selling the consumer that. Today, for barista competitions, now they're talking a rest time of two to four days. So SCAA, this is the SCAA. So what happened? People woke up. People understood that the fresher, the better. What's going on here? And so they've decreased that time of recommending the rest from two to four weeks to two to four days. What happened in 15 years? Has the coffee changed? No. It's that people have evolved to understand that fresher roasted is just much better. But it's interesting that people still adopt this 
idea that coffee must rest because all the professionals talk about it. Um, and, and there's only a small percent of the market like myself, maybe I'd say 10 to 20% of home roasters who say, no, use it right away. It's best right away. Whereas other people are still convinced that, well, it must rest. So at least they rest it sometime, 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, but at least, oh, we must let it rest. Uh, when you do taste tests, and I've done these tests for years because when I started talking to coffee professionals, they just thought I was just crazy, you know, but I'm telling them my experiences. And I, I didn't have a formal coffee education background working for a big company and, and um, uh, taught uh, this BS about coffee roasting. I was just doing it myself and going on what I was experiencing. And the big uh, coffee companies <laughs> have trained their people so that they have no idea what I'm talking about. And they think that's crazy. They, and, I, and I'll ask them, have you ever tried it? No, they don't have to because everything they read, everything they've been taught says something different. So the experimentation factor is uh, just not there because it doesn't support the big industries. And that's one of the things uh, that I want to change. And one of the things that I want to set up as a lab to study this stuff and know exactly what chemicals are there, how much is leaving in, in all these different coffees around the world, which ones have, have higher uh, substances than, than others. Um, there's so much research to do that hasn't even been attempted yet because who's going to fund it? The big coffee well, that, companies are. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, right? Has anyone, <clears throat> I mean, there are coffee scientists, a few, not a lot, but is anyone studying what compounds are in the coffee at very, you know, right after roasting? No. You know, and, and who's funding the scientists? They're giving them experiments to do certain things. Here's a, here's a great example. So um, I, I uh, really wanted to understand what Nespresso is doing with their pods, right? With their re with their uh, capsules, because um, to me, it is the same as instant coffee, just packaged differently. Because the coffee's been roasted, it's been ground, it's sitting there in a pod, and then they make it easy, put it in the machine, and then make a coffee. And I've been researching this uh, for the past two weeks. I got a machine. I got a um, a Virtuo Virtuo line capsule machine with some capsules and some people are doing some reusable things. So I started to, to get all the ingredients in order to make my own capsules in order to use my coffee instead of the coffee that they're using. And I found something really fascinating, really very interesting um, that they are making these capsules for their machine and this particular process. And and they're doing it to make it work with their coffee, but not other people's coffee. And the way they do that is each of these capsules have a UPC code. And when you put that capsule in the machine, the machine reads that UPC code. And it tells the machine how much water to use, how hot the water should be, how fast that capsule should get rotated. This is the interesting thing. Pull in an espresso shot, it's not like straight down. The way they do it is they use centrifugal force. So the machine spins this capsule. And when it spins, it creates this crema. But this crema is a fake crema. It's not the real crema that comes from the water-soluble elements like an espresso shot. 
and it's just like foam, but it looks good. And it's been so interesting seeing how they do that and then trying to uh, duplicate what they're doing and trying to use my fresh roasted coffee uh, as a substitute. And it's really very difficult. And other people have tried this too and have uh, said that, um, you know, that machine works for their coffee in a very particular way. So you can see how they would go to their lab and scientists and say, this is what it must look like. Let's develop something that is really easy, simple to use, uh, that, that people can do it in a hurry um, in the morning and get a cup of coffee that looks like this. It doesn't taste particularly good. It doesn't taste very good at all, but they make it look very professional, like it's coming out of a professional espresso machine. Have you tried to make like an all-in-one machine where you can take green beans, roast them real quick in a very small amount, grind them and brew them all in one? Well, that, that's, that's what my process is all about, roast, grind, brew. So what I do is I take green coffee, unroasted coffee. I go green to cup in 10 to 15 minutes. And the way I do that is three separate machines. You can't have one machine, you push a button, that machine roasts and then dumps, cools that coffee and then grinds it and then brews it. I don't think the technology is there yet to be able to do it. I think it will be maybe in 10 years or so. And I'd like to, uh, to look into that. But for now, I have three separate machines. And I think you can do it economically with three separate machines. You have a small roaster, you have a grinder, a burr grinder that uses burrs, not blades. And then you have whatever you're using for brewing, espresso machine, a mocha pot, stovetop espresso, um, French press, drip, whatever, whatever you're using. And so I do that process and that's what I teach. And that's what I want people to start doing in their home is start having the green coffee, roasting, grinding and brewing in the morning and making it like a ritual and having the best coffee that way, because there's nothing uh, that, can, that can compete with coffee made in that particular way. And the interesting thing is the green coffee actually gets better with age. So if you have 50 or 100 pounds of green coffee sitting in your garage, you know, as long as it's not under a wet, drippy faucet, um, it, 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 it's, yeah, it, it, you're storing it. That coffee is actually going to get better with age. It matures well, you know, like wine, which is really very interesting. So well, supposedly it, it, it uh, ferments, actually. There's, I guess, bacteria that go to work on it and it ferments. So again, uh, the, it's probably the, seed is actually very, the seed is actually very hard. It won't uh, ferment unless it's soaked in water or, like I said, it's uh, extremely humid. There's um, uh, stored in, a, in an improper way. And then you run the risk of, uh, of molds and uh, fermentation and like, like that. But uh, if it's just the seed and it's, it's stored properly, you don't have any, any issues with that. Because the seed actually is dried to a moisture content of about 11%. And when the moisture okay. content is that low, that coffee will be, can be in storage for years and actually get better. There's a, a, oh. uh, a company in West Java that I went to visit. And I actually made a, uh, I, I have a YouTube channel called Coffee University, and I have about 60 videos I uploaded. And this is one of the videos I uploaded was a visit to to this place. It's called Aroma Coffee in Bandung, Java, Indonesia. And what they do is they roast 
eight-year-old coffee. They age their Arabica for eight years before roasting. Wow. Yeah. And it is amazing. It, it, it has more like a liqueur type of quality. The taste lasts on the tongue a lot more. And what happens is the caffeine levels drop completely. The acidity levels drop to virtually nothing. So now you have coffee that instead of being a very acidic drink, it's not acidic at all. Uh, so there's some interesting things that happen when you age coffee. And that's one of the areas that I want to go into is offering people aged coffee at premium prices because it actually, it actually gets better. So it, I'm, I'm really thinking about a reworking of the whole ideas around coffee that we're used to and that we've practiced and that were pretty much sold to us by the big companies who we buy the coffee from. So, so, so what, are you, um, what are you doing right now? Are you selling machines that you've made to, to roast it? I mean, what's yes. your role right now in the industry? Yeah, so in 2018, I uh, have a, a, a partner from Singapore. My business is based in uh, Singapore because I've been in Bali uh, for the past 10 years. I want to be closer to where they grew coffee and they grow excellent coffee in, in Bali. And um, we launched a Kickstarter campaign in 2018, which was for our roaster, and we call it the Power Roaster. And we designed a machine, very simple to use, just has an on-off switch, no bells, no whistles, because roasting coffee is really a very simple process. But this machine will roast about 120 grams of coffee, so let's say about 10 shots of espresso, in six minutes. And we pre-sold 120 of these units. We got some feedback on them. We've changed the design a little bit. We've tweaked it, tweaked it. We made it a better machine. And now we're currently in our second prototype phase of all these changes that we've made. And in the next few months, want to launch another Kickstarter campaign here based in the U.S. with our, our newest uh, machine, our newest version of our machine. So it has to do with roasting the coffee easily, quickly, affordably, right? So when you're doing it this way, you're buying green and roasting your own coffee, you save a lot of money, a lot of money. Um, I and, see the uh, Kickstarter, the power roaster. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've been working on that project for five years with uh, my partner and we've <laughs> taken apart popcorn machines. We've looked at uh, other roasters um, and tried to create uh, the easiest to use most efficient coffee roaster on the market. And I think that's, that's where we're headed to, especially with this uh, second version uh, that we're doing. In addition to that, though, I want to make our own grinder, proprietary grinder and espresso machine. Now the espresso machine, we've already been working with a couple of prototypes. It's a manual espresso machine, because if you take a look at what an espresso machine does, it does two things. It boils water and creates pressure. Those are the only two things that it really does, right? So that's so simple to do these days. You go into a cheap hotel room and they'll have a little uh, pot there. You can boil water to have your instant coffee or tea or whatever. And those things cost $15 to $20 to boil water. Okay, so that's really simple. So let's take that element and separate it out from from the... espresso machine. And now let's take a lever. And if you look back at the old Italian espresso machines made 40, 50, 60 years ago, these were lever machines. So you had this big handle and that you push this coffee down almost like through a piston 
and uh, you, you, you can even use a piston um, that's, that's pressuring, pushing that water down through the grinds. And all you have to do is boil the water separately. So the manual espresso machine doesn't use electricity, doesn't plug in, nothing. It's all manual. You're boiling the water separately. In addition to that, you have a milk steamer, which is also boiling water separately. All a milk steamer does is create the pressure, the steam, in order to heat the milk. So you put a pressure gauge on there. You have some tubing. It's really easy to do, and people are doing this. If you look on YouTube, there's a lot of people who are creating these, these machines. So I think it's possible to get uh, a usable espresso machine for a few hundred dollars that can make as good an espresso as any machine on the market. So I'm really looking at all these different things and seeing how we've been sold um, some very expensive equipment. Why? You know, what's the reason for the big companies to make money? And this is one of the one of the ways I, I, I made my first coffee roaster, made my first commercial coffee roaster, because when I was when I, I knew that it was about fresh roasted and I was looking around for coffee roasters and I did a search. I could not believe the coffee roasters cost tens of thousands of dollars. This was absurd. It has all these bells and whistles hooked up to a computer. And I know you don't need that stuff. It's as simple as roasting it in a pan over a fire, right? So I created my own eight kilo roasting machine that I sold for $3,000. And I thought that every cafe would buy that machine because a similar machine of the same size was about $30,000. So mine was a tenth of the Oh, price. wow. Yeah. But what I, what, what I found out was that coffee owners were clueless. They had no idea they were buying already roasted coffee because it was easier. They didn't want to, uh, you know, get into the kind of afraid of the roasting process because the big, the big coffee roasters have made this like rocket science. Oh, it has to be done just right. And then they put it in a bag and it sits on the store shelf for months. Well, that's ridiculous because I knew when I roasted, started roasting in a pan by myself, I had an uneven roast. It still was better than anything else because it was so fresh. So I knew that all that smoke and mirrors, you know, really didn't add to the quality of the coffee. So I, I, I created a simple drum roaster. And I started to sell this. Maybe I sold a total of uh, maybe three dozen machines and shipped them all around the world. But what I found was that the only people that were buying it really were chefs because chefs knew the value of freshness. They knew that when you have food, when, that if you're roasting, if you're cooking it or whatever, you have to use it right away. That the longer it sits, the, the more rancid the oil is going to get, the, the worse it's going to get. So, so chefs seem to uh, adopt what I was doing um, and, and like it. But what I started to think is that I wanted people to be doing this in their own home. And to do yeah, that. Have you, that um, have you made a roaster where you could roast one cup at a time? No. That would be talking 25, 30 grams. Uh, still would have to have the right airflow, have um, the things that catch uh, chaff catcher, uh, things like, like that. Just really doesn't make much sense to do it on such a small or such a small quantity. 
And most well, people who are roasting you- their own coffee themselves, they'll drink maybe three cups. So maybe, you know, um, 120 grams will last in two days. Well, what if I, you know, you made something where I could put it on a burner of my stove that would supply the heat. It's like a little device and I could roast one cup and grind the sucker and drink it right then. And have it like- you, you, you have to have something turning that coffee over the, over the flame. The coffee has to be turning constantly or else it will just get burned on one side and um, uh, not develop uh, the way it should. Mm. So it's more like cooking brownies, you know, you have to turn them over. I mean, you want the inside to, to be the right consistency. You can't scorch the out like a steak. You, if you scorch the outside and the inside is raw, you know, that's uh, um, not the best way to do it. Yeah. Okay. So you sold some of these roasters with the chefs. So what's the next iteration yeah, of what so you want to do? Where do you I, think I, you're going to make a big impact? Well, with this, uh, with this next version of our, of our power roaster, I think um, um, it's really going to uh, be very different of what currently is on the market. And the way we're focused on making it different is the ease of use. I want to make it simple. I want to make it affordable. I want people in their own home to be able to roast coffee and start saving money right away rather than buying some machines. There are home roasters that roast the same amount of coffee that costs thousands of dollars. And it's the same old thing with the, with the uh, commercial roasters that have all these bells and whistles, these computer hookups, these unnecessary things that really uh, don't add to the quality of the coffee. It's simple, and I'm, I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible in order to introduce more people to it. If you took a, a coffee drinker off the street and you started talking about roasting coffee, they would think it's way over their head. Yeah, that's what I assume too. Yeah. Yeah. They would think it's way too complex that, that they've never done it before, that they, it, it's, too, it's a too complex a project to even start. And what I'm trying to say is it's not. It's easy. Look at it. Let's do it. You know, do it this way. So to do that, it's 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 harder to make a simpler machine than it is to make one with all the bells and whistles because it has to work consistently every time and take all these variables and build them in in the right parameters in order to get the consistent results. Um, you said that it's a it's a lot cheaper to roast your own. Like how much cheaper? How do you know? Like if I buy green beans, how much cheaper is it if I roast yeah. myself? Uh, so I buy wholesale green beans anywhere from three dollars fifty cents to four dollars a pound. Oh, where do you where do you get it from? Like can so people that get it? from a huge uh, distributor? Now there are distributors all over the world that sell green coffee to roasters. So it's a it's a highly um, traded product it's easy to find uh, these distributors but the, the difference is you have to buy in 60 or 70 kilo bags like 140 pound bags that's how they sell it but that coffee is just going to get better with age so it's not such a big deal and but one of the things that we want to do with our roaster is start selling in smaller quantities five pound 10 pound 20 pound bags and we can do that really very easily you save a lot of money so how much does a does a like a Starbucks bag in the uh, store cost? Usually they're twelve ounces, twelve ounce bags. And the reason they're twelve ounces is because when you roast coffee, the weight changes. So you increase the volume by fifty percent. That coffee bean expands about fifty percent, but it loses about twenty percent of its weight, twenty to twenty five percent of its weight because of the 
the water that's in the moisture that's inside when you roast it, that's what pops and breaks that bean apart. And that's why roasters talk about coffee cracking. That's actually what's happening. Yeah. It's the same method that's used with popcorn. The, I heard there's the, like the first crack pop. and second crack. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that cracking is the water inside that's expanding and uh, blowing open, uh, cracking open uh, that seed, that bean. And that's why it gets bigger, but it's also why it loses weight. So what you see in a lot of stores is if they roast a pound, 16 ounces, they actually net 12 ounces of roasted coffee. So if you roast 16 ounces of green coffee, you'll get 12 ounces of roasted coffee. That's pretty much it. So how much does that cost in the store? What, 20 bucks, maybe 15, $20 for for 12 ounces of coffee. And I'm buying it for, let's say $4 a pound. It's a huge profit margin. Save a lot of money over time. More coffee drinkers you have in your home, the more you'll save too. You know, so it's kind of like the machine will pay for itself after just a month or two. So, yeah. So you have so the minimum amount of green coffee that you found that people, you know, have to buy is a whole big sack of it, like a hundred something pounds so far. Well, um, from the big distributors, from the big wholesale distributors, but I want to change that by repackaging it. So I'll buy in those bigger packets, but then put it in smaller bags, more usable bags for the home. And there, there are other people who are providing green coffee like that um, uh, for, for people to roast uh, in their home. Their prices are much higher, usually anywhere from 6 to $8 a pound when you're buying in smaller quantity like that. Uh, but there are, there are some companies that are selling, already selling green coffee packets in smaller quantities. Okay. So what's ahead for you? Do you want to make a, uh, you know, you, you're refining your machine so people can roast on their own. Um, you want to open up like a whole, you know, set of coffee shops that do the roasting and the beans your way, or what's your goal in the industry? Uh, so it's really uh, evolved quite a bit. I have uh, cafes in Bali, Indonesia called Freak. It's called Freak Coffee. And that stands for, it's an acronym for fresh roasted Enak, E-N-A-K, which is the Indonesian word for delicious. Uh, Arabica is the A from Kintamani. Kintamani is the mountain where our coffee is grown. So it's fresh roasted Enak Arabica from Kintamani. And now that same freak um, franchise um, creating in the Philippines, and that stands for fresh roasted everyday Arabica Cape, K-A-P-E, which is the the, um, the Filipino word for coffee. So I've been that route with the commercial coffee shops. And really what I want to do is start going into people's homes. And this, I think, is going to be a trend that's just started a few months ago as more people are staying home and working from home. People are going to need good coffee. And the way they're going to need good coffee is to have the know-how and the proper equipment in order to make it. So really what I'd like to do is have a fleet of independent ambassadors, entrepreneurs who go into people's homes and teach them some of the things that I've been talking about. So I want to train a fleet of independent business owners on how to roast, grind, and brew their coffee that they can teach people in their homes using people's own equipment or selling them new equipment if they need it, depending on what the uh, ambassador 
uh, suggests is the best way for that person to get the best coffee. Because really what I found is people need to be educated. People need to be shown what to do because it's a re-education process. Most of what we think we know about coffee is just not true. And we're not going to be able to get the best coffee unless we learn some of these new methods and new ways of doing it. And actually, it's yeah. very ancient. <laughs> so I, I'm not discovering anything new. Uh, one thing I, I discovered in my early research about coffee was there's something called the Ethiopian coffee ceremony. And Ethiopia is largely considered the place, the birthplace of coffee, where coffee was first discovered. There's a lot of legends uh, about that. And um, they do the same process in Ethiopia that they've been doing for over 1,200 years. And that is roast, grind, and brew. The same thing that what I'm recommending. But they have equipment like a pan over a fire, like a mortar and pestle to grind, and then adding hot water in a very simple brewing process. So their roast grind brew process takes hours. Their Ethiopian coffee ceremony takes hours. And what I'm saying is, hey, let's do the same thing, but let's do it in 10 to 15 minutes with upgraded equipment that people can do in their own kitchen and do their own ritual and their own ceremony every day, have the best tasting coffee possible. But now you've taken an hours long uh, ceremony and process and collapsed it into 10 to 15 minutes. That's really okay. what I want to do. And that, and people have to be taught how to do that well, in their own Escher, home. No, that's a good idea. Escher, so we're close to being out of time. What are some tips? I'm, I'm going to give people, you know, your information. I want them to be able to find you and learn from your coffee university. But for someone listening, what are some of the first steps they can take to improve the coffee they're drinking at home? Right. Great Maybe question. not get all the way, but yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. The first thing they can do is grind their own coffee. Only buy whole bean coffee, and you must grind it yourself. Never buy already ground coffee. That is as dead as it gets. And the best way to grind is something called a burr grinder. It's a type, not a brand. B-U-R-R. And what that is, is the coffee goes through these burrs as ground and ground and goes into a holding tank. Because the other kind of grinder out there is like a spice grinder or a blade grinder or like a blender. And all that does with that blade is make a very inconsistent grind. So it grinds very fine the coffee around it and coarse the coffee that is not as close to that blade. So grind your own coffee and use a burr grinder. That will be the first biggest step. The next is to find a place where you can get fresh roasted coffee and ask the question, when was this coffee roasted? And the closer it was that you buy it, the closer it was to roasting, the better it's going to be. Okay. Excellent. And the next step would be taking to the next level, which is buying green and buying a roasting machine, roasting it yourself. And that's a whole different level. But if okay. most people in cities... They should be able to shop around and find coffee. There's a lot lot more roasteries, smaller roasteries these days. And don't listen to what the roaster says when the best time to try it is. Try it right away. So if you can go and the coffee was just roasted, grab it. Um, but you don't want to buy too much of it because it's going to sit and it's going to deteriorate. And you don't put it in the freezer. You don't put it in the refrigerator because there's moisture in there. And that's going to affect the coffee bean. You just keep it in a sealed container out of the sunlight. 
Oh, really? In the fridge, it'll actually, uh, that'll kill it? Yeah, because there's moisture in the refrigerator. Oh, okay. And, so, huh. and, and that, that will negatively affect the coffee. What about it, freezing it? Is same as, same as the freezer. You know, you only want to do that if you're buying coffee and you're going on a boat, let's say, and you need to freeze it because it has to last because there's not going to be any way to get fresh roasted coffee. That's the only situation where I would say that, uh, that maybe you can freeze it. Better to okay. buy it and use it fresh. Well, very good. Well, Asher, what, what's the best way for people to learn more from you? Uh, ah, so, you some of their referrals. Yeah, I have several sites. So I have a, a YouTube channel called Coffee University. And the name I use um, as a creator of uh, those videos is Pak, P-A-K, Kopi, K-O-P-I, which is the Indonesian, translated in Indonesia, it means basically Mr. Coffee, Pak Kopi. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, the other is a website that I've created called coffeetruther.com. And in on that website, I have a lot of videos and also some a uh, lot of articles on uh, showing uh, people what I've discovered, what I feel is the truth about coffee that is not represented or taught pretty much anywhere else. Some elements are starting to, but there, there's a lot that... Uh, mm. That, that people are still not really understanding because they're not doing the testing themselves. So coffeetruther.com and uh, Coffee University. Um, and then if you just do a search my name, there's a lot of different things. I've done a lot of podcasts. I've written a lot of articles, uh, some magazines okay. and stuff like that. That's great. Well, Asher, thanks for coming. And it's uh, really cool to speak to you. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.